0: From St. John's Gospel, Jesus said, The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, everybody. This massive crowd of believers here gathered. You know, we've been talking this whole season of Easter, how uh, this Easter on lockdown, you might say, how this is actually, even though it's a little weird, preaching to a largely empty building, um, it's actually, as we've been saying over and over again these past couple weeks, this is probably, probably it is, closer to the actual event than you might think, because what we've been discovering over these past four weeks is that Easter happens one person at a time, right? Uh, there are examples that, where Jesus appears in his resurrected state to 500 people at once, that is true, but for the most part, what happens in the season of Easter and in our own lives, frankly, is that Jesus meets us individually, and usually qu- quietly and slowly, and like we talked about last week, on the road to Emmaus, sometimes you really don't even know it until after the fact. So, all, all that's to say, you know, getting, you know getting, making, making, the, making the best of a bad situation is simply this. For this Easter, just consider, you know, over these next couple of weeks, that we're actually living in a lot of ways, closer to the first Easter than you might expect. Because let's face it, Jesus meets people one-on-one. Mary Magdalene, right, Doubting Thomas, Cleopas and the other guy on the road to Emmaus last week. In every case, Jesus meets them, and individually and quietly, frankly, he changes their lives for good. And I want to share another person, the story of another guy that that I met about 10 years ago when I was in New Jersey. I may have never told you this, but when I was in New Jersey, I was pretty actively involved with a group called the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And what they do is they go out and typically the people I was working with were NFL players. And we would go to these conferences and raise money for these guys that were converted Christians that were football players, and there's quite a few of them, actually. And this one guy was a speaker that came to us one week, and he said that as a Christian uh, in the FCA, your job as a football player is to, let me have a quote here, Hit those around you with all the Christian love you can muster. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Anyway, this one dude, his name—you may know him. His name was Steve FitzHugh. He was the retired football player for the Denver Broncos. Massive guy, funny, uh, had a wicked sense of humor in kind of an incisive way, and just a good dude and a good speaker. You know, I might—I would say. Anyway, FitzHugh, speaking of somebody who met Jesus individually told a story about when he was a little kid, and didn't, wasn't raised in a very healthy environment. And he said when he was about 12 or 13 years old, as a young boy, his mom and dad were having an argument. His father was a drunk, and his father punched his mother in the face, blackened her lip, um, busted her lip open, two black eyes, and the mother, in the fit of rage, in this drunken sort of, you know, debacle, she runs back into the room in the back room and grabs a shotgun and comes out and points it at the father and says, you will not treat me this way to Steve's dad. And Fitzhugh recounts how his father, who apparently was a massive person, reached down, and I have a quote here, with his big bear-like hands, grabbed Stephen, 12 years old, held him up in front of himself as a human shield and said, well, honey, you wouldn't shoot your boy, would you? That image... Right? And Fitzhugh said that haunted him even to this day. And it gets even worse because his father died of alcoholism. His brother, his brother, Steve Fitzhugh's brother, I don't have his name, but you could probably Google it. His brother, Fitzhugh's brother, was another big guy, football player, rock star, everyone loved his brother. His brother, like his father, fell prey to alcoholism and died at the age of 41. And Fitzhugh said, you know, I can't help but look at my family, my growing up, and be reminded of that scripture, Exodus 20, verse 5, right? You know it. The sins of the fathers are visited upon their sons, the third and fourth generation. Now, most people hear that as the idea that you, you, what the sins you commit are then the consequences go on, your, the punishment goes on. the Kids, that's to misread the text. The idea is that the sins of parents, moms and dads, and our own moms and dads, our families, in some sense, these sins are hereditary, right? They do carry through. Either You could say it's nature or nurture, and I get into that debate. But the point is that at some point, you have to make a decision to break the chain. At some point, you've got to make the decision to follow a different path. At some point, you've got to cut the cord. Fitzhugh said that he made that decision one day as a young man. He said he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He, FitzHugh you made a decision to stop to break the chain. That he did not want the sins of his father. They would visit upon him, certainly, in his life story. But he wasn't going to let it continue. And he said, and I quote, I made a decision to follow Jesus. I made a decision to follow Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. He made a decision, friends, not to let his life, surround him, dictate the outcome of what was going to happen. He would not settle, he said, for being a victim. No, he would be a victor through Christ. Jesus gave me life, he said. Fitzhugh admitted (laughs) when he gave his life to the Lord, he didn't really even know what that meant, right? Like we've been saying all along these past couple of weeks, when you meet Jesus, he changes you gradually. Fitzhugh met Christ, gave his life to him, was baptized, and yet the whole thing began to unfold from there point was Fitzhugh had decided to break the chain. And he said, it would not have happened. Listen, here's here's the money word. It would not have happened unless I had decided to follow Jesus. That's a funny word. It is for me. Follow. He's such a follower. That's not a compliment, is it? He's such a follower. She's such a follower. We don't like the word follow. Yeah, we say it, but we don't really mean it. We don't like it. In our culture, in our world, to be a follower is anything but flattering. But everybody, everybody, every person follows somebody. Even if, even if you say, I don't follow anybody. I'm my own man. I'm a, I'm a you know, self-made person. Baloney. You follow yourself. You follow your own will, your own whim. What could be worse? Friends, everybody follows someone. Everybody follows someone. And Jesus says today, I am the good shepherd, and my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. Today is, as you probably guessed from the texts and the psalm, that sounded great, by the way, choir, Psalm 23. Today is Good Shepherd Sunday, where we talk about Jesus saying, I'm the good shepherd, and my sheep, that's us, they, they follow me. And this idea of a shepherd and sheep is all throughout Scripture. Jesus didn't just make this one up on a whim, you know. Uh, he, he, this idea of a shepherd is all throughout the Old Testament of God, the Lord, Yahweh, being the shepherd of his people. And the, 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 the sad thing is that a lot of people hear this idea of Jesus the good shepherd, and they have an image in their mind of Jesus in a long, flowy dress, right, with long hair and rooty cheeks, kind of playing with these little lambs frolicking around while butterflies flicker in the air. And in my former parish, I almost got fired for this, actually, because my former parish, Trinity Red Bank, had an image, the good shepherd, actually over the altar, a Tiffany window, it was beautiful, but it was this image, right? Jesus has this sort of girly man playing with sheep. It's like, wait a minute, no, that's not right. It's not right at all. This idea of a shepherd, this idea of a shepherd is actually a bold idea. Because the idea, and this is, this is not really pleasant, I'll be honest. If Jesus is the shepherd, right, that means that you're a sheep, and me too. It's not exactly a flattering metaphor. Well, I've never raised sheep. I've seen it on TV, right? I've seen pictures of it. But sheep are, man, sheep are stupid, right? You'll never find a wild sheep. You know why? They just die if they get out. Feral sheep, yeah big fangs. Yeah. Sheep are smelly. They're dirty. They don't clean themselves like a cat or a guinea pig or a hamster. In fact, I don't think sheep even really make notice of what's going on at all. I mean, I don't think sheep even know when they are dirty. You know, sheep do not have existential moments, right? In fact, I don't think sheep notice much of anything at all. And that's actually not even the problem, you see. The problem with the pastoral point here, and what Jesus is really driving it. If we're the sheep, well, the problem is not, the problem is not that sheep are smelly or defenseless or stupid. I mean, okay, fine. The danger is that sheep don't know that they are smelly and defenseless and stupid. That's the problem, friends. And the problem you see is that we're the sheep, man. We all do things like Steve FitzHugh's father We all do things that get ourselves into trouble. We wander off, we go our own way, often completely blindly unaware of the circumstances, the danger we are creating for ourselves. I am sure, I am certain, that Steve Fitzhugh's father, whatever his name was, he thought he was a pretty good guy, right? Yeah, the wife talks too much and maybe she had it coming. Who knows what he justified in his mind. My point is, sheep are stupid, man. And all of us fall into this category, God knows I do, but Jesus says, I, this is crazy stuff. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd, listen to this, lays down his life for his sheep? Did I just hear him say that? A good shepherd, what makes a good shepherd good, you see, is not that he's a talented shepherd. He's not a skilled shepherd. He's not a funny shepherd that cuddles his little lambs. And No, he is a good shepherd. Why? Because he says it because I lay down my life for you. You may not know this, but shepherds, again, I don't know much about shepherding, but I've watched it on TV, and you know, and if you watch TV shows about like, I don't know, Australia or something, or people that are herding animals, typically in, in Western culture, you herd sheep from the back, right? So you've got dogs that run around and sort of corral these sheep, and they run around, woo, and they do sheepy kind of things and stuff, but, but in the, ancient Near East, you see, as a shepherd, you wouldn't actually, you wouldn't drive the sheep from behind. You would actually lead them from the front. This is the whole point. A sheep in the first century would actually walk out in front of the sheep, a shepherd would. He would check it out, make sure think the coast is clear, and he would call them, hey sheep, or whatever, let's go. And they would follow him. Why? Because they knew that once he was there, the coast was clear. It was safe to move. Listen, shepherds led their sheep, and if the sheep were going to be safe, they had to follow him. Jesus says, with this in mind, in chapter 10, verses 3 and 4, Jesus says, He, the good shepherd, calls his own sheep by name. That's you, and Mary, and Thomas, and Cleopas, and Steve Fitzhugh. That he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. Let's go. And when he's brought his own, he goes out before them, and the sheep follow him, why? Because they know his voice. See, Jesus is the good shepherd because he leads them out of where they are, as our psalmist says today, I'm gonna to talk about that in a moment. He leads them out of where they are into greener pastures, Psalm 23. The good shepherd calls you and I, friends, by name. He leads us to a life of fullness and purpose and joy the reason Steve Fitzhugh was able to cut the cord, the reason Steve Steve Fitzhugh was able to get out of the trap he was in and move to greener pastures is because he made a decision to follow Jesus. Because Jesus was his shepherd, you see. Jesus called him by name. And the thing was, Fitzhugh followed him. I want to talk briefly for one second about this idea of a shepherd and somebody meeting him. And a a person you probably never thought about before, and that's a guy named King David. Psalm 23, it's probably the most famous psalm, and I would submit to you probably the most misunderstood psalm. It's not all squishy and butterflies, actually. Psalm 23 is one of the best-loved psalms. You guys did a bang-up job singing it. It sounds so much better in the building than online here. If you're online, it sounds better in person. I'll say that to you, but... Psalm 23 is one of the best-loved psalms written by a guy named David. We read it at funerals, we read it in times of wanting to be comforted, but people kind of miss the point that King David wrote this psalm probably thinking back to a point in his life where he was actually a pretty dumb sheep. David was a sheep, like everybody else who was called by Christ. David was a sheep. He had a pretty bad history. If you know David's life, yeah, he was the apple of God's eye. Yeah, he was a good looking dude. Yeah, people followed him. People admired him. Chicks dig him, dug him, right? Which is part of the problem because David, at one point, you know, David, being the sheep that he was, seduces his friend's wife, this guy named Uriah the Hittite, seduces his wife. She is made pregnant. And then he has to turn around and kill Uriah the Hittite to cover his tracks. David is an adulterer and a murderer. I'd say that qualifies him as a sheep, right? I'd say David was a dirty, smelly, unable to guide his own steps kind of guy. David was his own worst enemy, like you and I are frequently. David was a sinner. But David had one thing going for him, and I'm going to show this to you. I'm going to wrap up. had one thing going for him, and he had the only thing going for him, is that David, like Fitzhugh, like you and I, was a sheep that decided to follow Jesus. Let me show you something here. Psalm 23. I don't typically preach out of the Psalms, but there's a lot in here. I'm going to just say one quick thing about Psalm 23. If you look at Psalm 23, or take my word for it, The very first line of the psalm, and you've heard this a million times, says, the Lord is my shepherd. If you look at that word, Lord, in your bulletin, you will see it is in small caps, L-O-R-D. What that means, if you know your translation protocol, L-O-R-D in small caps means not just Lord, God, it is the personal name of God, Yahweh. David says, listen to this, David says, Yahweh, Yahweh is my shepherd, Therefore, I don't lack anything. And so, David, who once was a miserable, broken sinner, a stupid sheep like the rest of us, once he claimed to follow the good shepherd, Yahweh, he could overcome anything. I'll give you one example. You know the story about David and Goliath, right? And the, In uh, scripture. There's a scene where David is the uh, champion of the Jews, right? David's a scrawny little kid. He's probably my height and my weight. Nothing nothing terribly frightening to somebody who's large. And so David is this guy who's going to take on Goliath of Gath. Goliath is eight feet tall, right? A massive refrigerator of a person, a WWF wrestler. And David and Goliath face off across uh, two hills. Goliath on that hill, and here's David. And David says, I'm going to kill that guy because God has, this man is threatening my people. And David, scripture says, if you go back and look at the story, it says that David, David with a sling, not a whole lot of armament, David runs towards Goliath. And where does he go as he runs towards Goliath? He is on this ridge and Goliath is on this ridge. And where do you think he runs through? He runs through the valley of the shadow of death. And he can only imagine as David is running, scared, terrified, also trusting in his shepherd, him saying, as he's running towards this refrigerator named Goliath to kill him, saying, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not need a thing. Though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear evil because you are with me, Lord. Your rod and your staff, these are the weapons of a shepherd, they comfort me. You are my shepherd, and I follow you, and since I follow you, I know that everything is going to be okay. Jesus says, you know, here's the zinger. That Lord Yahweh that David says is his shepherd in Psalm 23. Jesus says, Yeah, that's me. I. I am, which by the way is the Greek word for Yahweh, I me, same thing. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And Jesus is the Good Shepherd not because he is warm and cuddly and fuzzy. It's because he is our defender. He is our protector. He is, most importantly, our Savior. And, friends, if he has defeated death itself, which he has, then his sheep, that's us, have absolutely nothing to fear. Even death itself has been conquered. So, here's the thought I want you to ponder today as I wrap up Are you a sheep? Because the point is that the Good Shepherd doesn't love you because you're good. The Good Shepherd loves you because he is good. The Good Shepherd does not love you because you've earned your way and proven yourself. Oh no, thanks be to God. The The Good Shepherd loves you because he is good. And because the Good Shepherd, he himself lays down his life for you. That he came, the Good Shepherd came to earth as a man to die in your place and in mine. To give your life as a ransom, just like He did for David and Mary and Thomas and Cleopas and Steve Fitzhugh. And He will save you too if you will follow His voice and trust Him. Shall we pray, Lord, we thank you for Jesus, your Son, the Good Shepherd, who died on the cross to save us and give us life to the full. Remind us, Lord, to follow Him where he leads and trusts him even through, maybe most importantly through the valleys of the shadow of death, where there is nothing to fear as long as we follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.